I want to talk about the broken walls of the city this morning as we, as we pursue this series through this incredible book. And um, Nehemiah has been an incredible um, focus for us. We saw that how God spoke to him. We saw how it stirred his heart. And we also saw how he eventually then moved from this palace where he was serving the king that ruled over that known world at the time. And Nehemiah was prepared to go and leave the palace and move to the city of Jerusalem because he had heard some news about the city. And what he had heard is found in Nehemiah 1 verse 3. It talks about the state of the city. Nehemiah heard what the state of the city was. And, and it was pretty bad. Nehemiah 1 verse 3 says the following. They said to me, when he heard about the news of the city, they said to him that the exile, the people there who had survived, are in great trouble and shame. How's that? Great trouble and shame. And I, I don't know how, what your state is this morning, your status. I don't know if you go onto Facebook and you tell them what your status is. But not too many people tell us that they are in great trouble and shame. But here we hear that the people in Jerusalem were in that state. They had not been in a very good place. And so the first thing that he does when he arrives in Jerusalem is that he roams the streets. He walks around at night, by the way. I can move this away. Over it. Um, he moves around at night. He doesn't come there with big fanfare as we said last week. He just goes around and he, and he investigates the status of the city to see for himself what the condition really is. So people have told him it's bad. The walls are broken down. He doesn't know it for himself. He arrives. He'd never been to Jerusalem, by the way. These walls had been broken down for about 140 years, much longer than what you think the broken down things in Bulawayo or in Zimbabwe are. It's been a couple of years, maybe. 140 is a bit longer. Uh -huh. And so Nehemiah goes around and he, and he investigates. He walks around the streets and he does it at night because he doesn't want to make fuzz about it. And, um, and it's quite interesting what then happens out of that moment. So Nehemiah chapter 2 then, we just spoken about the state of the city. It wasn't great. You get that? You got that um, slide up there? It wasn't great. They were in trouble and in shame. But then Nehemiah 2, he's now gone around and he's noticed. In verse 17, notice with me. It says the following. You see the trouble we are in. And Nehemiah is talking to the people. And notice that he says that verse 17. Is that up there? Let's go back one slide. Yeah, thank you. He says to them, you see the trouble we are in. Notice that. He comes from a foreign land. He's never been there before. He doesn't really know what the state is. He's heard about it. As he arrives there, he talks about the state that we are in. The trouble that we are in. So he immediately identifies with the people. He doesn't say, oh, shame on you. You guys are not doing so well. He comes with a sense of responsibility, a sense of ownership. And I want you to take note of that word, ownership, with me. So we are in a state of trouble. We as people, if we live outside of a walk with God, we are in, not them. Not they are doing badly. We are in. So he says, we are in a state of trouble. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. So he opens this up for the first time. He actually discloses the reason why he has come to Jerusalem. Next verse, verse 18 says, And I told them, 
of the good hand of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also of the words that the king had spoken to me. He just reveals to them that, listen, I'd come because God had spoken to me and God had given me favor with the king. And their response, the people now, because this man, Nehemiah, doesn't come with a superior mindset. Oh, you guys are in trouble. You can be glad that I've arrived. I've come to save you. No, it's, hey guys, we're in trouble. we got to do something. And what they do is that they buy in. Immediately, they buy into the work that needs to be done because the word says, and they, say with me, they. They. They said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Folks, this is what I want to just leave with us this morning is that God calls on us, all of us, to be part of a work. And that's why we have these two little trials here this morning. Just to indicate that there's work to be done. All right? There's a, there's a work to be done in this city. There's a work to be done in this country. There's a work to be done in this world. And it involves us. So I'm not coming to you as a South African, because many people may say that. I've lived here for eight years, and I'm not trying to be proud or arrogant about it and presumptuous either. I'm just saying, God calls on us to do And maybe, yeah, it is some physical stuff that we need to do, because there's you know, quite a number of things that could be done, but it's more so a spiritual work. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Because as he goes around, it seems like he visits particular spots. And we don't have time to go through that, but in Nehemiah 2, we see that he goes through this gate, and he goes through that gate, and he walks along the wall to see what really has transpired in these last couple of years. How bad is it really? And so he notices this stuff, and that's what he takes and he brings to the people. And if we were to go through Bulawayo, perhaps, I mean, there's some pictures that I've got. There's a welcome to Bulawayo that says, guys, come into the city. It's a great place to be. And we all love Bulawayo, hey? If you're from Peru, that's fine. We forgive you. From Arari, that's also good. That's okay, hey? We don't look down on Ararians. We just pray for them. But <laughs> welcome to the city of Bulawayo. Great place to live in. Well, when we travel through, we notice a couple of things. We notice potholes. We noticed some places that years ago used to have a lot of attraction. People would come with there and, and do horses and all sorts of things and be great places to go to. We see some more pictures of, of the city and, and we notice that there's work to be done in our city. Amen? There's work to be done. I don't know if there's any more. That's fine. We can take it off. I don't want to focus on that. The thing is that in the natural, in the material world that we're living in, the physical world, it's easy for us to go around and say, these things are broken down, that's broken down, this is not in a good place. Uh-huh. It's not difficult. If you've not seen it, you're amazing. Or you're just stuck at home and you never go anywhere. That's also quite amazing. Just come out of the world a little bit, out of like your little secluded place, and you'll recognize there's brokenness out there. There's walls there are buildings, there are streets, there are in, there's infrastructure that has broken down because of various reasons. I don't want to embarrass those people that have not done their work. I'm just presenting to you this morning. There's brokenness. You don't have to drive far to see that. The brokenness that I want to talk about this morning and the broken walls of this city are the stuff that we often don't think about and see and notice just become oblivious to. We just drive past them. We just live amongst them, but we don't take note of it. And so, 
just in my prep, I felt that God just highlighted a few things for me. And I'm not saying that this is the complete list. I really want to just talk about the broken walls of this city. As far as I, in the little time that I have with you this morning, can share with you. There would be many other things that maybe you have become aware of and that you are helping into and doing stuff about. Well done. I'd love to just share with you a few things that, that we can notice, and I trust that you are noticing an actual fact that we should also take notice of. The thing is that Nehemiah was a man who lived not in a place where he noticed these things. He had to come there and, and look at them. We all live in the city. We don't have to drive anywhere. We don't have to go. We are here. And God's called on us to rebuild. But you know what? Before we can rebuild, we need to see. We need to open our eyes uh-huh, to see. What do you mean there's stuff broken down in Bulawayo? We're doing fine. And maybe we are. But you know what? I don't always think so. I think there are areas that we need to consider as believers, particularly, that are seriously in ruin seriously. And the fact that you and I are in this city is because God has put us here not just to notice and do you know what they are doing? Hey, look at what we are doing. Because that's what Nehemiah's heart was actually. He's never been in Jerusalem. He never contributed towards that. He didn't do anything. He was fine. He was in exile. But as he comes, as he arrives there, he says, let us look at the city that we are in. And so far, I think we need to take ownership and not become overwhelmed by it, but celebrate the fact that God has a purpose for us. This church, six years old this week or whatever, we cannot just celebrate the fact that we've had six years behind us. We've got to celebrate the fact that we've got 60 years to go to rebuild to be part of a rebuilding work. And so this morning, I'm asking on us to, to consider that together as we, as we look at these broken walls. Now, I want to I pray a prayer before we look at this. It's a prayer for all of us. It's not just so that I can preach it clearly and share with you. But it's a prayer that, um, that God will help us to see if there are any of these walls, the, these conditions... That, that I'm going to refer to that may be relevant in your life and in my life. And that God would help us to see that particular area being rebuilt. Is that all right? So I just want to pray a prayer that whatever it may be highlighted by Holy Spirit in your heart and my heart, that we will take this and say, God, I notice that there's a brokenness in my life in this particular area. And I'm trusting you to rebuild it and to bring about a new thing in my life. And so, Father, as we go into just the detail of some of these areas, Lord God, that, that you may want to speak to us about, I want to pray that you will reveal our own brokenness in these areas. And I know, Lord, when you do that, you will not condemn us. You will not, um, you not bring guilt on us. You will you'll re- you'll reveal that to us because you want to rebuild those areas. And so, Father, as we give all to you that is in ruins, possibly in our lives at the moment, 
We want to ask that, that you will help us to see this area or these areas rebuilt so that we will be the people that you want us to be. And so, God, I pray that as we talk about these areas, these possible broken walls of Bulawa, that whatever may be relevant to each one of us, that you will highlight us and help us to see that area rebuilt in Jesus' name. And so the aim for us is, we want to get to verse 17 and 18 where we all say, yeah, we're ready. Let's rise up and build. And so as we consider these areas this morning, it's not about finger pointing. Yeah? Nor the outside. Neither outside, hey? It's not, it's not, hey, listen, this is wrong in your life. And that's wrong in their lives. It's about saying, God, what is it that you want to rebuild in my life? Okay? So it's not about any finger pointing at all. The first wall I want to suggest to you is, is a broken harmony with God. We cannot start at any other place but our relationship with God. The best, well not the best, <laughs> I'm going to call it that. The area that, that, that we need to address first is any brokenness in, in, in our relationship and our harmony with God that we should have. We can look at other people and say there's a broken harmony that they have with God. But how is your unity? How is your relationship, my friend, this morning with God? We will never be able to rebuild walls in our city unless we see this wall or this area of our lives being restored. If it's never been in existence, if you've never had a relationship with God, it is our duty as believers to encourage one another towards that place of restoration first. I cannot get people to be effective in, in helping there and doing this. Our responsibility towards one another is first. Is how's your walk with God? How's your harmony with Jesus Christ? And if there are things that have been heavy for you and very difficult to, 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 to walk with and to, and to handle in life and it's been overwhelming, he says, come to me, Jesus, all of you that are heavy laden and are burdened. And I will give you rest. And that rest is not, listen, let's go down to Margate and, or wherever to the Eastern Highlands and just go and rest for the rest of our lives. Like, that's cool, I can do that. No, it is rest from anxiety. It's rest from fear. It's rest from, from uh, just being disconnected from a wonderful, meaningful relationship with God. That's what God wants to restore first of all. And so, there's a great testimony actually. Aiden. Why don't you come here, please? Where's our mic? Just talking about harmony with God. I wanted to ask Aidan just if he could share what happened on Friday. Good morning. So on Friday, we decided to do things a little bit differently. And instead of having our band and worship up, we set up stations around this room with different topics such as Holy Spirit, Trials, Grace, and Victorious. And there were actually quite a few others. But anyway, so it gave guys a chance to, as they felt stirred, go up and to each different station and just connect with God through His Word. And during that time, I had one guy come to me and ask for advice on how he can get his friends closer to God as he felt they kept drifting away. And then also one of my great friends, I had the opportunity to pray with him as he gave his life to God that night. So, yeah. That's great. So... That's, a big, that's the biggest miracle that can happen in any person's life is that they, they are reunited 
with Christ. And our purpose on earth is firstly that relationship. And that is the biggest area of brokenness that we need to constantly look at. And you and I have been positioned in this town and in this city to see that brokenness restored. And you will have people that you are connected to that I will never be and others may never be. But your responsibility together, we have this collective responsibility to see brokenness in terms of a harmony with And as you relate to people and befriend them, you reach out to them to see this happen. That good? You ready for it? You know people that are broken in terms of their relationship with God. There's not a connection. We pray for them. We reach out to them. We, we love them. We serve them. We talk to them about God. We invite them to these moments. And we trust God to restore them. The second area that I want to just present to you is when there's a brokenness in faith in God and, and God's ability. When, when we've been through life and, and, and we've been through tragedies, we've been through trials, we've been through major moments that have tested us. How many of you have gone through that? Mm-hmm. Where it's not been easy and we've seen that our faith in God has taken some damage. There's been damage done to, that, to, to what we believe He's able to do and accomplish. And we go through life, those moments that they come we have people that we know of in some South Africans that have moved to Abu Dhabi and, and two weeks ago, their little daughter, about two years old, that they have been walking with through the process of seeing her recover from leukemia, she died. And how they are managing, and, and it's difficult, I can see, I'll just kind of follow it a little bit on Facebook, how he's doing, how he's expressing his his persistent faith in God and saying, God didn't heal her, but He's still God. And I'm not, I'm not letting go of my faith in God, even though this terrible tragedy has happened. And you can see his heart breaking as he shares. His, his, we would post a picture and say, oh, whatever I could, what, what I would do to just have those moments back with you, little Lexi, her name. And you see the anguish, and you see the, the pain, but you also see the faith. That, that there's real, genuine faith to say, I'm not going to give up. This area of my life is being shaken. I can feel the tremor almost in the wall, but I'm not giving up on my God. Because He's a good God. And that's one area that for many of us, we've seen some damage come. Because of Whatever. I don't know your situation. I know some of yours. But I know this about God that He's faithful. That He doesn't promise us a, a, a life without any suffering. He promises us His presence, that whatever we go through, He will be there. And that we will continue to trust in His ability to take us through. And that we will continue to have hope in Him, no matter what. And if your life in this particular area, my friend, has taken some hammering, you approach God and say, God, I need you to help me to let these walls be restored because it's been tough. And I want to encourage you. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We hold our faith. We hold our, 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 our relationship with Him intact to just saying, God, I, I know I don't understand this. I actually despise this. But I want you to help me to rebuild my confidence in you and your ability. 
The third area that often happens, and, and particularly here in this nation, is that we have broken dreams, we've got broken hope. We've been trusting, we've been hoping, we've been dreaming, we've been waiting, we've been anticipating, we've been high through our highs and through our lows, and we've sure that it will come and this will happen and, and that will break through and, and, and sure this is going to take place, but it doesn't. It says that if we keep on hoping and a hope that becomes deferred makes the heart sick. So we end up at a sick spot where actually this hope that we've always had and, and the passion for things and man, I've got the driving force in me. We're not going to give up because we see this thing come through and yes my children will experience this and that and, and yes my business will, will thrive but it's just not happening and what we find is the walls are broken down our hope for something not just a better life because I don't think that that's what we call to, to hope for only hope for a better life what does that mean better life is firstly a walk with Christ that says, no matter what I go through, I can have confidence. I can have the stability of faith that'll, that'll take me through whatever moment of challenge. And so, imagine the people of Jerusalem having lived with these broken walls around them for 140 years. They didn't know anything else. The generations that were born in that and from that didn't know anything else about a broken wall. They'd never seen a repaired wall. So they lived with this reality always, and they gave up on hope. And yet Nehemiah comes, and the first moment that he speaks to them, there's hope that arises. Now I want to say to you, Nehemiah may not come into our meeting by himself, but God would use people, and God would speak to us like a Nehemiah did to the people and say, come on, let us rebuild. And in that moment, it is important for us to say, God, this is you. We've got to discern, folks. And it's not a new president that will be in Nehemiah necessarily. Come on. It will not be a, the greatest political leader that this country ever had. It may not be that. It may be just your neighbor. It may be you going to work and say, come on, let us rebuild. Come on, let us have hope again. Let us not give up. Let's dream together. Another area that we need to see restoration come is broken marriages. Our city is suffering much in this area. And we just cannot be content with the, con with the condition of some of the marriages. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm happily married. You know, everything is good for me. I'm fine, buddy. Just leave me alone. No. We can't. As believers, we can't be left alone. First of all, if you are in a situation where your marriage is not at the greatest place, where you see some rubble around you, it's in ruin, don't give up. Please don't give up. Can I say that again? Please don't give up. It couldn't have been for 140 years at least, because none of you could ever get that old. But it may be have been for a year or two or 40 or whatever. There's never a place where we should give up. And I know that many of you have gone through those moments where it just came to a place where it just couldn't carry on. And I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying let's, let's keep on having hope that where there are walls and ruins in regards to marriages that God wants us to trust Him, 
And God wants us to reach out to those that are bat battling in this particular area where we pray for them. And if in your situation it means that the work that you need to do in your broken world called marriage, and it needs to have some work done, and that work could include you forgiving, you're walking into that situation with humility, maybe that's your trial that you take into your marriage. It's one that says, I'll rebuild here in this area, Lord God, through my attitude. Attitude is such key for us to see restoration done. It's our attitude. It's not waiting for them, the other one, to change the attitude. It is us initiating the right attitude and helping others that are in similar places. Another area that I want to suggest to you is, is in need of, of reparation or restoration is broken families and homes. And I know that these things are generic. I know that anywhere in the world you can go and you can address these things and, or, or mention them and say, well, they will be relevant to that particular situation. I live in Zimbabwe. I live in Bulawayo. I respond to what I see. I'm not talking about this in, in uh, the United States. I'm not talking about uh, Gaborone in Botswana. I'm talking about Bulawayo. This is my home. I'm privileged to be here. This is what I see. Not in condemnation, not in judgment. This is what I see. I see children that want to serve God, but their parents aren't interested. I see families that are disconnected from each other. I see families that are battling to find some synergy together and just creating great harmony within those families. I see families that are, that are completely dysfunctional because of absent parents or absent fathers for whatever reason. We see that dysfunctionality as we just roam the streets of Bulawayo. It's easy to see. Ascot needing repair. But this is the area. So these are the areas that really need to have repair done to them. And it's, I mean, imagine a Chinese company comes in here or American or British and, and they pour out billions of dollars into Bulawayo. And suddenly, over a period of six months, you just see, oh, wow, this is great, like it always was. I don't know how it was because I haven't been here that long. And we're like, that's it. This is what we've been waiting for. But the broken marriages and the broken families have not been given attention. And we're waiting for this physical thing to be done, but God is looking for a deep work to be done. And that work can be done through you and me, where we say, let us get up and build. In your life, your own life, and in the lives of the people around you, that you don't come in and Bible bash them, but you go and serve them. There's a need. All right? You don't need money for this stuff, by the way. You don't need to submit a proposal to this big company across the world. Where, where, where you ask them for money to restore whatever, the Women's Institute or the Bridge Club, physically. No, this work can be done through your effort by simply just loving people and loving your own family. It starts in your own family. It starts where men, listen to this, men. That's why we do Man Up. Man Up coming up this Friday again, 5 o'clock, my house, 16 Clear Road, where we get up and we take responsibility for our lives and for our families, and we say, I want to see brokenness in my own life and in my family being restored. And I'm willing to lay my life aside and say, here I am, Lord God. Use me if you want to use me to rebuild. Is that okay? Men, it's for us. Another area that we need to see 
Restoration come. And this is a key one, very sensitive. Woohoo! Hold your horses here. Don't run out now. But it's an area of broken relationship between races and cultures. Lived here eight years. I'm South African. Lived here 42 in South Africa. Adds up, no, 43. No, 42 is like, no, anyway, about it. I'm 51. Point is, I've seen this as a major area in our region. And it's very real. And I love just the, the representation here of different cultures and different races. But folk, we cannot just be content with, with that in a meeting. We've got to work hard at how that, that equates to relationships and to friendships. And accepting and in loving and appreciating one another. Some real tough things for us to do in this nation. And we cannot wait, and the government can never initiate that. It's the church. There's an effort going around to bring truth and reconciliation and peace amongst tribes, and, and we're not going to go into the detail of why. But the point is this, unless we as the church initiate peace between brother and brother, because this is a safe environment, <laughs> kind of like we're not going to punch each other here with shouldn't. Uh-huh place where we can talk and we can be real. Understand why you do it this way. Please explain it to me. Oh, really? Now it makes sense. Or, you know what? I've never had people like you in my house. Or I've never been to people like you, their house. Whatever you is, opposite of yours. Huh? Whether it's English people, speaking people, Afrikaans, we are. Black, white, colored, Indian, whatever it may be, we need to cross those boundaries that the world has set up and that the church need to break down. And it starts within the church, not out there, but within here. And so it's fine, we sit together and we smile. <laughs> it's great to see you. But that's where it ends. How do we cross those boundaries? How do we reach out to one another where there is brokenness? I bet you brokenness in this area, in this city, and even in this place. Come on. And how do we reach across and say, I'm willing to put my life at stake to, to rebuild. When a Nehemiah comes and he says, this city is in ruins. I'm like, God, I'm going to be part of this rebuilding work. It's going to cost me my life. It's going to cost me to let people talk about me and say, oh, you're doing that? You have these people around? Yes, I have. You know why? Because I love God. He loves me and He accepts all of us. And by the way, join me, you that so easily criticize me. That's what we've been called to be part of. And the church needs to initiate that. Another area that we need to consider restoration and a rebuilding come is broken relationship amongst believers. It's like we want to... I mean, we've worked around our, our physical differences and our language differences and our cultural differences and our tribal differences. We also have within us other differences <laughs> that, that are so difficult to overcome. You think different of this idea from the Bible and you have a different mindset about this and I like this about church and you like that about church and, and, and you prefer this and, and I prefer that and it uh, brings division. And there's a brokenness. There's a wall that should be restored of unity and of, 
and, and of leaning against each other and of walking together, but it's just broken. And we live with it like we live with the, 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 the situation, the ruins around us, and we just live with it. Well, that's how it is. Just don't bring him in. Well, you guys go to the same church, for instance. No, no, no. Oh, he's from a different church. I don't like that church. I don't like the way that they do things. We're just different. We're actually better. <laughs> and there's, there's a brokenness in relationship. I love it when the Bible says so clearly, God, God announces and proclaims unity, or blessing rather, when people are in unity. And it's hard work, unity. Uh -huh. I'm not talking about uniformity. Because we're all differently clothed this morning. By the way, this is our party dress. And it's so nice to not have shoes on. See, I love it. I've never done this, I think. <laughs> anyway, and, it, and, and if your church background is, oh, you've got to be properly dressed, I'm sorry. That, you know, I don't want to offend anybody by the way I'm dressed in any way. I'm just saying, but our differences in terms of what your assumption is about respecting could be related to clothing. Mine is different. I don't see that necessarily in the Bible. I, I want to present something that I believe is relaxed and, 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 and easy and much cheaper, by the way, and more comfortable because it's hot. But if I offend you in that, please talk to me away and become disappointed in me. We will have differences, but we shouldn't let the walls be broken down in, a, in line ruins. We've got to hasten on. We've got about three more. We've got to understand that there are broken links between the rich and the poor. There's ruins in this area. Where the rich is over there, the poor is there. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich and it's you know, sad to be poor. But Jesus said we'll always have both with us. As we continue this life here on earth, we will have that. But how do we, as believers, when we enter our world and we see this this connection between the rich and the poor. How do we respond to that as the poor? Do we despise the rich? As the rich, do we look down on the poor? How do we deal with this? And as believers, we've got to find a way in this and help one another and not become guilty because I have much or feel bad because I have little. How do we make a difference? I had a great conversation this week and uh, it was a lady who just some time ago just realized that Pilo Hospital, there are about 1,000 babies that are born every year prem, premature. I don't know that. And she said to me that a third of them die every year. And so here she is. She's not rich, but she's just seen a divide that she's... How can she make a difference in those that are not so fine? And so she started this thing, just reaching out. Making a difference. How do we, how do we as, as believers and of people that are able to do something, how do we make a difference in this area? Saying, how oh God, let us rebuild. Let us rebuild. Two last areas that I want to mention is just the brokenness when it comes to morality. Our city is full of it. I know cities are full of it. Wherever you find people, there will be the reality of this, where people need to choose between right and wrong, and they most often choose the wrong. They're completely oblivious, ignore the right, despise the right, um, kind of 
excuse themselves from doing the right because me too, and I really don't want to. And so we see a brokenness in this area where God wants to come and He wants to restore. Morality has just gone for a loop. We, as human beings, because we're human, you know, and that's what the whole world teaches us now, is that you have the right, my friend, to choose for yourself what is right or wrong. Whether you want to be male or female today, that's your call. Or next week it'll be different again. Or if you want to have one or six or whatever of um, this particular, you know, gender, you can have six wives and, you know, deal with that. And, and, and that's going to be great effort for you, by the way, if you want to choose that way. But that's my right. That's my right. I don't have to care about people. I don't have to reach out to others. I don't have to because I have a right to choose for myself. We don't. So morality, on the basis of humanism, my right to exist as a humanism, human, has gone for a loop. We have decided what is good for us or not. We've got to confront ourselves with the reality with what the Word of God teaches us. And as young people, for instance, we often end up in this place where we talk about sexual morality. It's not just for the young people or the unmarried. It's for the married. The Hebrew writer says, keep marriage bed undefiled. Keep it pure. Look after it. And it speaks to young people. It says, stay away from premarital involvement in this area. Protect yourself for the spouse that you will one day marry, that you can engage in a beautiful, godly covenant with. Protect yourself from it. But we live in a world that says, I mean, TV is all over it. You can have whatever you want. If you want to have sex, take it. Whether you're married or unmarried. It's your right. Hey, it's my right. I can have it. Even within marriage, we become demanding. You're my husband. I demand. Let's serve. And let's these walls that have been broken, morality restored. Last one. Actually, what all of these areas do produce at the end of the day is broken hearts. We find that lives are just broken because of just situations. People have been absolutely broken because of what they've gone through. And we have a, a serious brokenness around us. How do we notice that? We don't notice it by walking into pick and pay or, or into Fazax and we see there's brokenness around us in the hearts. It happens as we engage one another, as we engage the world, and we notice there's something missing in a person's life. It's a brokenness that has come through life. And many of you perhaps here this morning are living with broken hearts. Whatever area has come through, God wants to restore you. I want to read to you as we close. Psalm 147 says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Question is, as we close, just finally a question. How does all of this affect me and others? How has it affected you? And how has it affected others? And how can you and I see firstly whatever work that needs to be rebuilt in your life, in my life, how do we come to God and say, God, please do it in me? In whatever areas we spoke about. And I would 
prayerfully ask you and humbly request you to take these things to the Lord over the next couple of days and just sit with Him and say, God, and by the way, if you never took notes, by the way, it's a great thing to do that. But as Yanku explained, all of these things will be up on the website for you to consider. During our life group times, we go through these notes again so that we can massage it into our lives and that it becomes real. But if you need to, in your own life, first of all, let's start with us, not them. Let's say us. God, there's great trouble and shame possibly in my life in any of these areas. Allow God to help you. And if you need to be, asked to, to be helped, just talk to us. Let's take up the trowel and let's see the work being done that needs to be done. Let's pray. Jesus, wow. There's so much work that needs to be done. Lord, this city is desperate for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God so that, Lord God, this city can be rebuilt. And Lord, we want to pray firstly for us as your sons and daughters this morning that the work that you want to do in our lives, that we will allow you to do that. That we will not walk out here and say, I'm fine. I'm okay. God, I know that in my life, in many of these areas, there's a constant work that you need to do in me. And each one of us, Father, I pray that we will take responsibility for that work that you want to do in us so that the work that you want to do through us would come about. And Lord, there is that. There's a work in us and there's a work through us that will constantly need to be done. And as we've just considered some areas, Lord God, that you may want to address and help us through, I pray that our hearts will be open, Jesus, to let you do that which you want to do. And I pray that our prayer would be and a willingness would be that we would say, just like these citizens of Jerusalem said to Nehemiah, let us rise up and build. I pray upon King City Church that there will be a heart longing and a heart attitude that says, let us rise up and build in my life and in the lives of the people in this city. Father, I pray for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.